Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, boys and girls. Good evening, my fellow gamers. Today, me, President Goblin, addresses you formally here on the Blood Force Gamers podcast, sitting side by side with Darth Blasphemous. Hail to the dark side. Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon. And special guest. I am Russ. And by the way, if you're president, I want to recount. <laughs> Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll I am president of the Blood Force Gamers. Voted by us. The we democratically we... voted in a landslide favor. Unanimous. And today I would like to address our listeners on a very serious topic. This topic, my fellow gamers, is shitty storylines in comic books and why they need to be thrown the fuck away. Stay tuned, here's the intro. Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Just like a prayer, I will take you there in the midnight hour. <laughs> Come on, we can do it. Come on. Anyone want to slow dance with me during this? <laughs> oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, I ain't wearing the shoes for that. I, do, I just had the feeling of doing like some Madonna growl because it just really changes the fucking theme of that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So comic books have gotten a lot shittier, and I used to read them. And you guys all know the story. They were basically printing a new number one every week. And I'm sure Comic Artist Pro Secrets on YouTube, the same artist who does Cyber Frog, excellent comic book, in my opinion. Cyber Frog just makes me, oh, he gets my tadpoles all riled (laughs) up. Well, Chatelet, my dude. Yeah, that's right. The... I stepped out of comic books, and the first movies that came along, you guys know we had a conversation about this earlier in the afternoon. <laughs> fucking Captain America, the Fantastic Four, uh, fucking Punisher wasn't all that great, but I mean, at least I got to see Dolph Lundgren put a gun in his own mouth, so I I know he could act more than a plank of wood. <laughs> um, better love story than Twilight. Still a better love story than Twilight, the original Again, Punisher. that doesn't set the part. At all very high. <laughs> now, I don't know what you're talking about. I watched the 70s superhero movies. Compared to that, what you're mentioning is gold. Oh, come on. I love, uh, what was it, He-Man and uh, Masters of the Universe, that movie. That was oh, so on. bad. Did you ever yeah. see Korean Spider-Man? <laughs> come on. Korean or Turkish? Uh, the Turkish one is fucked up, too. What are <laughs> You know, and the fucked up part is these, like, the cheap knockoffs that are coming in from overseas, Japanese Spider-Man, Korean Spider-Man, and I think they actually had, like, a fucking Korean Captain America for a while. I mean, they, they've had some really fucking bad knockoffs. Hey, anything's better than Samurai Batman. The, the weird part is, some of these yeah. shows that are knockoffs have better storylines, like, watching fighter, you know, like, Spider-Man fight Godzilla is a better storyline than what's coming out in some comic books nowadays. Just... Hey, hey, hey. Superman was a work of genius. Superman. Super, super, super man. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it's a big thing because at least we all have read comics a time or two. Uh, we all have the fandoms we like. 
And we've been seeing these last five years, comics have just really gone down the shitter, and the majority of it is the story writing. I gave up on Green Lantern after the brightest day, uh, because after defeating, well, the entire entities of uh, the emotional spectrum, they were fighting basically gods from a previous universe, and I was like, alright, power creep, uh, storylines going nowhere for anyone. Is bullshit. And then you see now where... Who was it that DC just hired that Marvel just let go? Zoe Quinn. Yeah. God fucking shit. God damn it. Fuck. Piss pussy cut right dick. Fuck. Don't worry. Save it till the end. We'll let you rant at the end. Okay. <laughs> right, I might step got... on your toes on that, though, a bit. I'm, I'm just gonna, like, fucking break out the fucking ladle and start basting over here in my own stewing juices. <laughs> so, but that's uh... the thing, is the problem isn't who's writing... Or any of that. Because there's some stuff that's come out that's new that's really good. But when you have stuff where it's just shit writing and it really destroys either a franchise or takes a somewhat new superhero or a not as well known superhero and just takes them and runs them through a shitty story arc, it really kills any kind of buying. And it's to the point where comic book shops are closing left and right almost as fast as game stops. <laughs> oh come on! Nothing's gonna close as fast as Game Stops. Uh, Best Buy, so Circuit sure. City, uh, Sears. Eh, fine. But uh, Circuit City in died in a mighty dreams, quick hurry. Nothing closes as fast as Game Stops. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's because you're looking at a pipe dream variant. Well, that's well, because I... GameStop is really shitty behind the scenes. Anyways, although I will say, my one hope is. Out of all the GameStops, I don't want them to close the one at the Everett Mall here. Our local GameStop, I actually really like the people who work there. They take pretty good care of me. Yeah, well, without the backing of a multinational conglomerate, they're not going to be able to keep the store open because they won't have the kind of stuff to keep you nice, yeah. happy, and informed. Dick fingers on all of that. Yeah. Dick fingers! Not nice. So, yeah, take it away, our special guest, who is our expert on comics. Alright, so, uh, bringing up the Zoe Quinn thing, this is actually something that I'm extremely upset about. Cut! I've been a reader of DC Comics literally as long as I could read. I learned to read with a little story called Batman Nightfall. Well, with her working there, it's now Degenerate Cut Comics. <laughs> yeah. Um... And so I had to make a tough decision, and last week I actually cut ties with DC. I'm, I'm going as far as I have the uh, DC Universe. Uh, I have a DC Universe account, and I love it to death. I see more use out of that than anything else I paid for, but I'm going to cancel it because this kind of toxic person doesn't deserve support. Not only that. But she's someone who doesn't create good content, just on its own merit most of the time. Well, in order to get her content published or even look at it, she has to sleep with somebody or go to the UN. Yeah. Hey, at least she didn't try running for senator. Uh... <laughs> there we go, she's keeping basing for a while. Go on. Um, and, I mean, DC's always <gasps> had some problems with some of their stories. I mean, I was talking to you earlier about Death of Superman. I need there's, a cigarette. <laughs> There's next to no real content in that story. 
still a fun read. There's no real content in but it. But it led to a much better story arc with four new people trying to step into Superman's shoes. Yeah, and them each coming with their own shortfalls. Well, I wouldn't really say Eradicator was trying to step into his shoes. Eradicator was more of a placeholder. Yeah. Um, although, if memory serves me right, because I haven't read the story that story in many, many years, um, the way they brought Superman's powers back to him was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was bad. I preferred uh, Steel Superman or whatever his name was. Steel. Steel, yeah. yeah. Steel was a much better <laughs> out of the four. Yeah, but if I remember right, like, Superman got his powers back by some weird mix of Eradicator and Kryptonite gas. Something like that. But anyways, for shitty yeah. stories. Yeah, well, there's a great example. Yeah, it's um, a great one. But, yeah, things didn't really get better. And it's not only how the stories are told, it's how they represent the stories. Uh, when New 52 started, it was probably a great time to get on Green Lantern. It was like, great, we're starting all over Green Lantern. If you haven't been following him, now's the time to jump on. So I did. I didn't have a clue what the fuck was happening. <laughs> that sounds common. You jump on and I'm, I'm sitting here like, wait, why is Sinestro a Green Lantern? Why did they fire Hal Jordan? What's happening here? And this is what they're promoting as a perfect jumping on point. Yeah. I'm like... A big part of this is like... I think the bigger companies, more so DC than Marvel, but then again, I don't read comics in the traditional sense, have been falling into this Fifi's market, and they've been trying to market to minorities in ways that are not right to, oh, not, to them. Oh no, that is Marvel's bread and butter right now. Yes, but that doesn't mean that. But they're doing so at the cost of quality. Yeah, and both of them. Yeah, but again, I think Marvel's doing it to a far greater extent than even DC is. Um, at the same time, like Marvel always had that more fantastic yet more relatable, versus yeah. DC has always been this sort of gritty realism. Yeah. Well, the gritty realism came after the campy era of the Red Scare. Mm -hmm. And that was mainly because you think about comics from back then, they were always fighting aliens from another world that were trying to take over America. They said the world, but it was just America. Um, they would fight all kinds of crazy shit that was just like way out of this world. And it was like, oh, well, all I had to do was carry this American-made pocket knife, and I was able to jimmy the control panel so the ship turned around. And it's like, well, after that, DC took the gritty route to differentiate from uh, Marvel, who really had this super expansive network of different stories they were trying to tell that somehow all came together. But with DC's case, they were able to tell a plethora of different stories and maintain the, I would say, essence of the initial creation, like Batman, greatest detective, right? He, that stuff kind of worked during the campy era, but then after that, there were entire story arcs of him trying to figure out exactly what the Riddler was trying to do, trying to, you know, poison Gotham City, destroy the stock market at one point, I think. Uh, that would be called Batman Legends of the Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. And it was is to this day my favorite Batman series, where it wasn't all punching. You could have entire issues without any actual physical violence, but plenty of intrigue and 
character yeah. action, if you would. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about what really brought about the turn from camp. I mean, you've got the origins with Stan Lee starting to tell more adult stories, but there's still that camp element to it. Uh, for me, in my personal opinion, the big turning point for comics and what really set DC on their way was actually a little series called Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Yep. Um, if you're not familiar with that one, it literally had Oliver Queen taking Hal Jordan on a road trip around the United States because he had grown so disassociated with humanity that he had to get re in touch with it essentially. Um, Too much time off world. Yeah, and it it asked a lot of questions. Like people today would probably be pretty upset with it. I mean, there's literally a scene where this old black guy sitting on a porch is going, you've done a lot for the green man and the purple man and the blue man, but what have you ever done for the black man? And that's in the first issue when he stops a pickpocket who's just trying to get money to buy a medicine um, from robbing the, the guy who owns all the tenements who's throwing everyone out so we can bulldoze them to build new condos. Uh, one of the easily most famous covers, in my opinion, in DC Comics, and hands down the most famous cover from this, was in, at a time when the Comic Book Code Authority was still around, mm-hmm. they put a cover on one of their comics that had the main characters in the background, while Speedy, Green Arrow's sidekick, is in the front round with the needle all but sticking out of his arm as he's strung out on heroin. Yep. That comic was not approved by the Comic Authority. No. And then from Marvel's side, you always had the X-Men who were doing more of the civil rights side story. Which really came about kind of during the camp era. And that was always something they were trying to do, where they were making their stories um, an allegory for what was going on at the time. Meanwhile, DC was trying to deal more with the internal struggles of what's right, what's wrong, at least from my understanding. Yeah, um, I mean, both companies, I think, did a little of both, but Marvel definitely uh, cornered the market on... Allegorical so, stories. Yeah, allegorical and uh, really uh, racial issues, yeah. simply through the use of X-Men. But this is an era when comics were good. We call it the golden age for a reason, don't we? Yeah. Or is um, this the silver age? I always get the two confused. I want to say it's... You know, I can't remember which one's which. Wait, wait, wait. Golden age was pre-camp. That was okay. the early 1900s. Uh, and then the major era for superheroes uh, started at the end of that. And then silver age is after the camp era. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's right. Um, which is funny because one of the guys who's most uh, credited with creating the Silver Age, he never wanted to do it. He was literally like the guy who started writing the books that would mark the beginning of the Silver Age, the Flash, the Green Lantern, because those are what started. Those two were the ones that really started that whole thing yep. with their redesigns, introducing Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. Um, he was there to sell the Lois Lane comic. Yep. <laughs> And they were just like, you, you're writing... I can't remember which one came first. I think it was Green Lantern came first. And it was like, you're writing this. And he was like, okay. 
Um, what happened to comics, man? I'm all on the verge of tears here. I miss it. I don't um, know. I support the uh, independent ones. Oh, myself. definitely. Um, I bumped into the artists and writers for Onishi Press not too long okay. ago. I mean, for what they market, it's more of an adult-oriented audience, especially mm -hmm. where they get their models for most of their characters they create. But on the other hand, they're a small independent company, so what they're doing is, unlike these big model lists, is they're trying to get an audience. Yeah. So in trying to get an audience, you are going to have your game. You're going to go sit down and type up your stories with an A game. Yeah, and so when, it, when you talk about model lists, Ultimately, at this point, at least in my opinion, because there's the two everyone recognizes, Marvel and DC. But yes. I feel like Image is kind of its own monolith at this point. Dark Horse. Dark, Dark Horse was good, but they're owned by... Um, I can't remember the, the other company. Because I know Marvel owns two subsidiaries. Yeah, but... Uh, DC owns Vertigo. Vertigo basically gone. DC's, if I remember right, DC's actually actively phasing them out. Yeah, like shutting down, <laughs> phasing out, not selling them. Yeah. So, bye Sandman, we'll miss you. Well, now the thing is, is stuff like Sandman is why they're phasing it out, because they don't own that. Uh, uh, Time Warner recently got bought, if I remember right, and the new owners are phasing Vertigo out with part of their mission because... They don't own the rights to this, most of the stuff published under that. Yeah. And so, yeah, Sandman will be gone from Vertigo, but Neil Gaiman is the one that owns that. Which, at this point, he's probably going to take it to... Well, no, it's built in the DC Universe, but it is multi-planar, so he could take it to Marvel, because he definitely seems to be in Disney's, you know... Wheel? Yeah. No, I honestly, I think uh, the best options, the best bets... Are going to be either uh, Image or Top Cow. Top Cow is good. Uh, I think Image would be a better fit, mm. but with how closely he has it tied to the DC universe, he mm. might just try to keep it DC. But, but for story writing, he has actually kept it up pretty good. I haven't been able to read the latest Sandman's, but they're not as gripping as the original five. Yeah. The original five, I feel, are the best. Yeah, but. Top Cow, I think, uh, does some of the more interesting comics, and they take the most risks. Uh, at this point, Top Cow is easily one of my favorites. And when it comes to superhero comics, I grew up loving DC, I grew up loving, well, I grew up fond of Marvel. Yeah. Never really a big Marvel guy, but there's another superhero company out there. Yeah. Valiant. I have not seen any of Uh, So Valiant is a company that came about in the 90s. And... It shows if you read their early stuff. The original Valiant run came about... Uh, characters are very 90s-ish. You've got uh, a Visigoth, if anyone's familiar with who they were. Uh, they were a group the Romans conquered in ancient Rome, fought for their independence, massive civil war, and all this stuff. Um, so one of their characters, in fact their flagship character, is a Visigoth who got abducted by aliens, spent seven years traveling at the speed of light, stole the most sacred object which happened to be a power armor, and made it back to the Earth in the modern day. Um, they have a superhero that's uh, a black guy who's bound to a Loa. Yeah. Uh, just stuff like this. 
and the stories are usually with them from my recollection were always on par. Oh, their stories are some of the best. Um, Didn't they do the Prophet series? No. I know that of all things they did, they did the Turok comic. Oh my god, I remember that being good. Yeah, they're the ones that wrote that back in the 90s. Uh, eventually, their parent company went out of business. They were bought by a game company that ran them into the ground. Oh, that's why we have the shitty Turok game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, if you've ever played the EXO uh, Iron Man game. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but ran them into the ground. Uh, when that company went tits up as a result, a couple of fans bought them and sat on them for several years until 2012. They relaunched with EXO and brought the other comics online again. And it's just been phenomenal writing ever since. If you want a good... I use superhero loosely, but if you want a good story with superpowers and people saving the world, probably... Um, Valiant's probably your best bet at this point. Yeah. Another couple of really good sources are in like some of the some of the other markets. Mm-hmm. Like Line Webtoon is an app I've got on my phone. It uses a slightly different style of comic where all of the pages are aligned vertically. Okay. Um. So instead of you know flipping pages left to right, you're scrolling up. Okay. And you can do a lot of interesting things with this because it's primarily a digital medium. There are a lot of them that are animated. There are a lot of them that have sound bites added to them for certain points of the story where it becomes very pertinent and they're typically very well written songs or tracks. Um, you know, there are five or ten series in there and I I have a nasty habit of finding one and binging like 150 episodes in. Because I understand that, man. I, I don't read a lot of webcomics. In fact, the only one I think I read is Menage 3. And I can spend, like, two days just binging that because I'm so far behind on it. Yes, and, you know, I, I need to go back and re-binge a lot of stuff that I do that is actual comic book style. Um, I got lost at one point in a webtoon called Noblesse. It's fantastic, mm-hmm. and they actually made a one-season anime for it. It only goes up to about chapter 25, 26. But the thing about Noblesse is, like, there's 550 episodes, and it is a very pointed story. It's a very interesting take on vampires and werewolves. Okay. Um, And also the LFG comic online. I lost my place in that. I had no idea where I was relative to the story. So I started fresh. Binged out. I need to go back. There's probably 50 different webcomics that I need to go back and re-binge. As well as, you know, eh, half a dozen webtoons I liked and then lost track of. Okay. But and that's the thing with uh, webcomics. You know, they, they seem to go in big spurts and then they seem to die down for a bit and then come back, at least from the view I've I think part of it's fatigue, too. I mean, we've dealt with 10 years of the MCU, and now DC's trying to compete with them. We've also got the independent superhero movies coming out. So for the books themselves, yeah, it's a great time and everything. (coughs) But just there's so much of it going on at one time. It's just like, yeah, broccoli's good for you, but you can only eat so much in one sitting. Right. And speaking of uh, the independent superhero movies coming out, actually... uh, Early next year, Valiant gets their first superhero movie, Bloodshot, sure. starring uh, Vin Diesel. And I'm actually really looking forward to it. I'm curious to see, because he needs good directing, but if he gets it, he can be pretty decent. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. 
Interesting. Um, I've I've had a little bit of a fondness for some of Vin Diesel's films, so I might check that out if for no other reason than because. Yep. Uh, the only issue is it's being made by Sony, who obviously doesn't understand the uh, source material, since they had the rights to both Bloodshot and another uh, Valiant comic called Harbingers, and sold the rights for Harbingers to, I want to say, Paramount. The problem being, one of the biggest story arcs in Valiant Comics is Harbinger Wars, which is Bloodshot versus the Harbingers. And that's where Valiant wanted to take it. Yeah, definitely when you bring comics to movies, there's a thing like, we all remember Fat Nipples. And I'm sure many of us remember yeah. Batman 1989. But with web comics, that's a field that hasn't really been sought into with taking any of that to uh, someone to make movies from. I know there's plenty of fan fics out there for like a... Isn't there one for looking for group? Most webcomics, however, don't really translate very well into cinema. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 one, the source material is really slow. The updates are really slow because it is like a one, maybe... <laughs> Maybe two person shop doing it. Yeah, it depends on and on how big their budget is, but yeah, typically. A lot of the times, the writers, you know, they really when you write for a big company, you know, when you're writing for DC or you're writing for Marvel, you're writing for you haven't mentioned it yet. If you're writing for Malibu, no. If you're writing for a big company, you expect that you know whatever you write is now the company's property. Yeah. You know, they own it. You're just you know contributing. Really, you're getting paid to do this. But when you're a one-person independent shop and some movie company says, oh, well, we want to make a movie out of Slimy Thief, and they look at your source material, except for that one, which just went really way off the fucking rails. Well, Slimy Thief was a really good comic, and then it was just like, for one fucking update, just she starts fucking everybody for no goddamn reason. It's like, what? what? This makes no fucking contextual... We, we can cut this out and continue the storyline. It would make no difference. But when you're working with an independent shop, you know, and you have somebody who's doing this as their job. Uh, even just paid, a hobby. Even a hobby. You know, they're getting Patreon bucks out of it. They're more emotionally invested. This is their brainchild. Yeah. So if Sony or Paramount or MCM comes walking in and they're like, oh, we want to make a movie out of this, but we're going to chop this, 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 and this. You're basically telling the webcomic artist, oh, we're going to take your baby, we're going to put it on a wood chipper, and we're just going to shred this shit out of it and make something marketable that people want to see, even though people already want to see it. Plus, webcomics are really hard to track as far as user-based demographics go. Mm -hmm. I mean, normal comics, I mean, I know a guy I can contact with uh, Diamond Distribution, and I know that they know exactly how many issues of what are selling in what region where, at what month, to what age groups... You know, they, they've got this shit tracked down. They're, they're watching all the fucking demographics. All the metrics. All the metrics. Yeah. Whereas with a webcomic, you know, you're just like, oh, well, my site got 169,000 things this month. From where? Oh, these web uh, addresses. Which could be, you know, people's I ISPs registered to their parents. It could be an ISP they're spoofing. They could be writing on somebody else's Wi-Fi. You, you, you can't really Virtual. Know. Yeah, you yeah. Can be virtual. They could be behind the VPN. You or several. Several VPNs. Yeah, because only a noob only sits behind one. <laughs> plebeians. Fucking plebes. <laughs> but uh, the, the fact is, like, you know, going on webcomics, I don't see those being made into movies unless they're 
really Super strongly big. independent, and if you get a webcomic that's just off the fucking rails, you know, that's just like brings in a lot of people, it's wacky, it's zany, everybody loves to talk about it. Um, like LFG, if they had a sense of humor, you know, if you took that webcomic, give us a sense of humor, made it more like Tank Girl, it would get chopped up to shit because Tank Girl got fucking brutalized. Oh god. It was still a decent movie in its own right, but the, you know, like again, they didn't understand the source material, and they just came in and they're like, why is this here, why is this here, why is she changing outfits, blah blah blah, and they just, dude, the, the reason her hair keeps getting more and more messed up throughout the movie is basically kind of like the physical representation of what they were doing in the script and story. Yeah. <laughs> just messing it up more and more and more. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's definitely a thing, but when it comes back to the story writing, <clears throat> you have the independence. They can they can sit and simmer mm-hmm. on a story, right? Make sure it goes through. Like, you look at, uh, was it a big <laughs> one? Uh, was it Elf Quest, right? Oh, Elf was... Quest is huge. Yeah, yeah back in the huge. day. And it's still going, apparently. Yeah, it came back a little while ago, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you see this, and they could totally make, you know, like a, a TV series or some shit out of it, if they understood the material. But that's a giant thing, and the story writing kind of varies from my understanding. I haven't read a lot of it. I, you know, people have told me a lot. I had to listen through hours of people just bloviating on the topic. And, you know, there's so much that could be taken there and made into several movies, TV shows, what have you. But the story writing is so arc-driven that you need to be there for everything. It's like the the uh, Warcraft movie. Mm-hmm. Unless you played the game, unless you knew all the lore, it was kind of shit. Yeah, well, and so for independent comics, I honestly think that movies are the wrong way to go for the most part. I Quite think a bit. More a mini series, like a, on a streaming service, that's the way to go. Get a season long series. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a good number of indie books that I would love to well, there's see. There's a. There's already one that's going to be doing that here soon. Uh, Goblins comic. They're actually having an anime series pop up soon. Okay. Yeah, they announced that about a month ago. Oh, was this at Focon? Yeah. Yeah. I, I missed that announcement. No, they actually they announced that. I believe it was at closing ceremonies. They were talking about it and didn't want to, you know, let the cat entirely out of the bag, but they let the cat out of the bag without opening the bag kind of shit. It was, you know, we're not confirming, but we're mm-hmm. confirming. They did that number. And they let the cat out of the bag that it's going to actually be uh, going to an animated TV or web series or something like that. Okay. So it is going it's for a web comic. It's a great idea because that's one thing a lot of comics nowadays have lost away. They got so much fucking material. I mean, like X Men, they've got what eighty years worth of material now. Yeah, and Easy. you look at the movies and stuff we get, and it's like X Men Origins, really? Yeah, just really, another, just another Origins. But that's one thing that webcomics really have that the uh, monoliths have forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And Goblin's comic, I give them a lot of credit towards that, is when they opened up, it was what if the monsters realized that they could have character classes? Yeah. You know, so the first comics, you know, first few pages open up with them, you know, one of them is like, I call Monk, I call Barbarian, I call a cl- a level in everything. <laughs> you know, that, uh, yeah, I love Vorpal. that character. Vorpal. Sir Vorpal Von Kickasso became his name. Yeah, Sir Vorpal Von Kickasso. He took one of every class because why not? So he's he's like one thirteenth of every class because he just could. Yep, it was he, a wicked weird gestalt. Yeah, wicked weird gestalt beyond gestalt. But the thing is, uh, as far as a webcomic, that started off with 
you know, the, the co- basic concept where the monsters decide to take character classes and no longer be the punching bags. Mm-hmm. That's a great kickoff point. Or and they and they have a lot of D and D jokes like uh, the twenty the very early in they have a uh, twenty sided chance rock, <laughs> or min-max. and they're painted so that's you know they're dyed twenties. Yeah. <laughs> or min max with uh, his initials on his belt, <laughs> or the other dude, the dwarf who said he has on his helmet. This is a helmet. <laughs> uh, just written right there on the front. And he's missing a horn. Missing I can't remember horn. his name. Yeah. Uh, the thing also, uh, Spinneret started out a really good webcomic, really well drawn, and one of the few superheroes you'll actually see legitimately from Cleveland. <laughs> right? From Cleveland. Cleveland? Cle- Cleveland? Whatever. Really, one of the few superheroes you'll see from Ohio. Yeah. Right? Uh, Spinneret, and they go through her origin story, it's not bitten by a radioactive spider, but she, like, breaks out, she's got the six arms... And she's trying to learn how to be a superhero. She's tr- and of course trying and mostly failing. For trying that and mostly failing, but they got the origin story down, and there's no material to go back to. Not like because like X Men, like I said, eighty years worth of material. If they were re- to reintroduce Logan right now, or James Howlett, or whatever stupid name they gave him, he will always be Logan to me. If they reintroduce Logan, <laughs> what would they do? Would they draw off of the eighties when he was in Japan? They draw off the 90s when he was civilized, but kind of feral Wolverine, not really Wolverine, Wolverine, or when the 2000s came around and he went full tilt back to her raving beast Wolverine. You know, you've got all these different origins for that character, you know, whichever one you pick, it's going to piss people off. So you've already got all these established characters, and for comics and storytelling, when you tell a, a story, you know, like New uh, 52, yeah. had to just reboot everything. And just reboot it all. Fuck it. So it's going to piss off somebody. Well, that's the problem with these big guys is they need to come out with some new fresh material. That isn't already going to date itself. That isn't already going to date itself somehow. Exactly. And, you oh. know, another thing about Spinneret, it's a wonderful comic, but I got a little salty when he put some of, their, some of his content behind a paywall, and I'm just like... I, don't quite want to do that. You're a wonderful comic, but I have commitment issues with paying for things online like this. Um, but also speaking about uh, Logan there, and uh, he will always be Logan. The topic that we seem to have completely gone off of, of shitty comics. Uh, Logan became a shitty yeah. comic. Well, he did not so, start as one. Uh, well, I was gonna he say did not start as one. But once they named him James, that's when he became a shitty comic. Um, what I was gonna say is. Uh, Wolverine Origins 2. Don't read it. <laughs> uh, that's that's my advice. Uh, the only exception is if you can find a single issue, a, a copy of just issue 1 of that, that's worth reading. Don't go any further. You might be tempted. Don't do it. Burn it. Burn it all. And um, that, that's a big thing with the stories is sometimes they'll just get a different writer to come in and continue... And it's total schluck. Uh-huh. You know, it's just complete garbage. And it's so hard to keep up with that. And then you get, nowadays, you get all these writers, you know, they've got whatever bullshit degrees, they've got whatever connections, it's the only way they could get their job. And then they complain about everyone else, oh, well, nepotism, da-da-da. That's how they got it. Mm-hmm. But they complain about everyone else. And that's all they make their comic about. You've got female Thor, who apparently has these giant monologues about, you know, 
the patriarchy and this bullshit. I'm a woman. I'm I'm Thor. Thor was a god, not a title. Yeah, and, and you know, the, yeah, you can totally get the powers those, if you are worthy. But that was on Mjolnir, and wasn't Mjolnir destroyed in that comic as well? Um, a couple of times, I'm sure. So, and even better, Ray Bill had to prove that he was worthy, and he did not become the new Thor. He became part of the Thor Corps, but he had another hammer forged just for him. He didn't just walk up and like take Mjolnir and be like, "Oh, I'm Space Thor." <laughs> so, um, Space Godzilla. Space Godzilla. In regards to that, uh, I don't know if Mjolnir was destroyed. I only read the first uh, one or two arcs in that series. Um, now, bear in mind, those first couple arcs are actually pretty well written. Jason Aaron, the guy who wrote them, had actually been writing Thor for a while there. He'd worked on two different Thor comics, I think, before that. Uh, maybe more, but I'm pretty sure there was two of them. And uh, he told us fairly decent story. I mean, the idea that she was choosing to be Thor at the cost of her own life was kind of by nature compelling. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I can't answer to the... Oh, I, I don't... I don't well, wait, 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 wait. Okay. I'm dying. I'm dying. I know I'm dying. Oh, this is so shitty. Or I can have superpowers. Oh! No, no, that's the thing. <laughs> Using the powers was what was killing her. Oh, uh, so it's like the sword. Yeah, uh, so what yeah. happened was, um, Jane had terminal cancer. Like, if you saw her at that point in the comic, she was very frail from cancer or anything like that. And she only got strong when she wielded Mjolnir. The problem was, she was going through chemotherapy at the time. And the moment she picked up Mjolnir, all of that was flushed out of her system. So nothing was fighting the cancer anymore. So, she's a strong woman because she took a dude's weapon away from him. Well, didn't take to it away save from her own him. life. Didn't take it away from him. This uh, sounds like a Zoe Quinn writing. <laughs> no, uh, like I said, didn't take it away from him. Uh, Marvel took it away from him. Okay, speaking of Marvel, okay, yeah. we're going we're gonna to get a writing here real quick because there's one thing that hasn't been mentioned, and I want to mention it because since I'm the old fuck here... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian, the comic book, was good. Yeah. Not just good, it was phenomenal. It was so good that, you know, these guys came together and said, we should make a movie. This yeah. is so good. Right? And the original writer, he wrote a bunch of stuff, and just like Tolkien and other writers from that era, there was a bunch of stuff that was left over, and when he died, his estate kind of got Fussy. thrown in the air. Uh, when all the things landed, though, that it settled down, and eventually Marvel was approached about making a comic, or I believe it was Marvel that did the approaching. I don't know. Either way, it was a consensual date. Permission was asked first for hand-holding, and the father's permission was given, and she was returned home before 11 p.m. However, the Conan comic, and one thing that they really don't do in a lot of uh, situations these days, like uh, very few directors will say that they've done anything with making a movie adaptation, or writing a book adaptation, a lot of them will be like, oh, yeah, I skipped through it or whatever. But the first writer who was working there at Marvel Studios, he grabbed the old books. He read the shit out of those books. He picked out his favorite stories out of those books. Then he picked out, you know, the writings that came later done by other authors 
who did stuff in the same vein. And he read the shit out of those books. He did this before pinning the first letter on a page to write the comic book. And when he wrote the comic book, everybody who was a fan of Conan from the old paperback novels, a very large majority of them looked at the comic book and looked at the novels and said, this dude is legit. Yeah. The comics are worth it because he didn't just run off and Conan it out, yeah. you know, in his own direction. Not like a Jason Momoa movie mm-hmm. I won't mention. So <laughs> that's actually kind of one of the reasons, uh, like I was saying earlier, I was a little upset about the selling of the Harbinger uh, movie was the guy who was hired to write the screenplay for it is the same guy who wrote the screenplay for, um, God, what was it? I want to say it was Arrival or Conduct. It came out a few years ago. It was nominated for Best Screenplay. Um, God, I can't remember what it is. Oh, The Orville. No, not that one. That's a good show, too. It is a great show. Arrival, that's what it was. Thank you. Um, The guy who wrote Arrival was hired to do the script for it, right? Well, you know he went through and he read the stuff because they got tired of telling him, no, you can't just make this a bunch of cool scenes with this one character in it. And he goes, well, then can I just write a comic book about this character? (laughs) And so he did. He had his own miniseries under Valiant about one of the members from the Harbinger comic. There you go. So that is... And so it made me so excited for this movie because, I mean, the main character in Harbinger in the Harbinger comics is not a good guy. He might be the hero of the comic, but he is an asshole and a half. So he's an anti-hero, like a certain red and black clothes? Loosely use that term? Again, I struggle... (laughs) No, he sounds sounds more like Billy Butcher right off the, the bat. Well, so you know, he's the good guy, but he's not a good guy. Yeah, basically. I mean, but his power is, or is he more like Homelander? No, I don't no. think he's like Homelander. No, 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 no. He uh, so his power is, um, he can influence people, make them believe things. When he was found by the Harbinger Foundation, Billy Mays here evil, for the Harbinger Foundation. Yeah, <laughs> which is this uh, group ran by the, ultimately the villain of the franchise. Um. He had spent, was it, like, two months with this uh, woman who was, like, his childhood crush under his control, believing she was in love with him? Eesh. So he is not a good guy, but he's just the one who's capable of fighting this guy, fighting this uh, group. Interesting. Yeah, so that, that was kind of one of the things I love about Valiant, is no one's a clear-cut hero, necessarily, except for Faye. Faith is a superhero to her core. But that's because Faith's an overweight comic nerd who, when she gets the power of flight, is way too ecstatic about it. It's to the point where when she gets her own comic, she's wearing a wig working at a news blog because Superman had a job in the news industry. Um, But that brings me back to DC having bad stories because that was about the time that uh, Lois Lane in DC Comics outed Clark Kent as Superman publicly. Was that after their breakup? Oh no, this is during New 52 where they had never been a couple. Oh. Yeah, she found out his secret. Even though they were supposed to be close friends, she outed him. Well, there's a scene in Faith where the people at the blog find out who she is. And one guy's like, guys, we've got breaking news! We can cover the story for you And one of the people looks at him and goes, what are you, a super villain? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? We're not gonna oust her for this. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, the Superman? That's actually a good response. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the things with good writing like mm -hmm. that is where you can bring the humanity to, like, the Orville has a comic, and I'm trying to judge whether or not I should buy it. Mm -hmm. But that's personally because I haven't bought any comics since last Christmas, and that was because I have a pension for specialty covers, and this comic shop in my hometown had a bunch of them. I haven't really read much. Um, but for a while there, I was reading comic after comic, and when it comes to good writing, you know, that makes up for a whole lot. Oh, yes, it does. Because I can deal with bad art if it's a good story. I'll slog through it. Uh, I can deal with, you know, a lot of bullshit if it's written well. Shit I can't deal with, the Doctor Who and Star Trek. That was horrible. <laughs> I heard the one with Next Gen was pretty good, though. That's the one I read. Oh. In Ugh. What we need is JTHM to come back. Now that was a comic for adults. For, no. for people who want a good, slow-playing storyline with lots of blood splatter, only to find out that the main character really isn't a homicidal fuckwit. He's just a flusher. Yeah, you know, it's fucked up. Sir, what? I have one thing to say to you. Squee! I fly like Wilma. Oh. <laughs> That's right, I'll just quote a meanwhile at you. You know what? And anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about has never read JTHM. And the follow-up, I Feel Sick, yeah. was just fucking awesome. Oh, I Feel Sick, I think, was actually, especially issue one, was the best work he ever did. Oh, I think it was great. Especially, you know, <laughs> she was still trying to get over the fact that she went on a date with him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like... Or when uh, fucking Squee, the little kid, you know, yeah. he's always taking care of him, and like the pedophile shows up behind the yeah. fucking mall, and Johnny's just like in traditional Johnny fashion, wants to show the kid that something is wrong with the guy, so he cracks open his head, yeah. rips open his skull, and pulls out the brain. He yeah. goes, this guy is really wrong. Look at this brain. Yeah. He is completely weird. And Squee is just like freaking out. I mean, and then, of course, um, El Señor Diablo. <laughs> well, when I think of humor in, in comics, actually, to this day, one of the first things I think of is uh, going back to I Feel Sick. There's that scene where she's on a date with one guy, and you see the chipmunk with the guy's brains off, and he's like, wait a minute, if your brain's up there, what are you thinking with? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, I just mentioned JTHM because, number one, it had good writing, and it really didn't get good until about three uh, issues in. Mm -hmm. And then you started catching on that there was a greater thing about the wall needing blood. Mm -hmm. You know, because at first it's just the wall needs blood, and you're like, oh, he's fucking crazy. But the further it goes down the line, you realize that he's actually, like, keeping something dark at bay by putting blood on the wall. Yeah. And it's very much a, like a Clive Barker meat train kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, bringing this back kind of a little bit of a circle with uh, Blasphemous here, early on the art wasn't that great. It was stick figures plus. <laughs> it, it was like when he drew Happy Noodle Boy, you know, that was like the base shit that he did. You know, he just like added a t-shirt on and it was like the first comics really felt like they were mm -hmm. that, that kind of shit. Fucking <laughs> stick figure plus characters. So I was a huge fan of his work in, back in high school and everything. It's like, it got to the point where if you trace his work, um, everything up through Filler Bunny issue four. Oh, yeah, yeah, Filler Bunny. I miss Filler Bunny. I had all of it. I even had the bad art collection. I have that one somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's not easy to find. It never was. I don't know. I stumbled across it one day. And That's I how you found it. But Yeah, I, I stumbled across it, and I got the uh, Filler Bunny BAC comic, the, mm -hmm. the really big pink-covered one. Yeah. And I just had to, but it's been a long time since I've got just went out and saw a comic that appealed to me like that. Yeah. Like, JTHM, it had morbid humor in it. It had a very deep storyline. It had very slow, unfolding characters. Mm -hmm. A uh, slow unfolding storyline. It was something that once. It's kind of like when you're watching a TV show and you're like, "I'll give it two episodes," mm -hmm. and that's how it started with Game of Thrones. I'll give it two episodes. If it doesn't hook me by then, fuck it. JTH it was the same way, but I picked up the first issue, and by the time I was three fourths through it, I'm like, "I'm going back to store and buying the other five issues." Yeah. So I have a similar rule, but for me, it's three. I give everything three mm -hmm. um, to get going, but. Uh, no, and that's the nice thing, is comics are so diverse, you find more adult comics, and I'm going to say something that's so different from where this crowd tends to go, it feels like, but honestly, I really like uh, well-written romance comics. I mean, if um, it's well-written, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, if you feel for the characters, it's uh, worth investing just, in. Oh, uh, uh. Uh. <laughs> uh. It's like somebody just shoved my mouth full of bear puke. Uh, Hairs. So, uh, <laughs> my uh, my personal favorite comic is actually a romance comic about uh, two lesbian BDSM fetishists uh, called Sunstone, and it the characters are phenomenal in it. The artwork is great in it. Um, it's led to I literally buy everything this guy does because he's both an artist and a writer, so he does stuff on both ends. In fact, yeah, regardless of my divorce with DC. There's one book they're putting out that I will get because he's doing the art and the writing for it. He's doing the Black Label Harleen comic. Which, if you don't know what Black Label is, that's supposed to be DC's adult label. It's like a red band trailer for the uninitiated. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Except for apparently they censor it now because fucking people who don't read comics can't deal with Batwang, apparently. Which apparently... And how did Zoe Quinn get hired by DC if they won't actually publish comics that are good? Yeah. And people who are going to get offended by fucking Batwang showing up in an issue, but have no problem with a big, blue, glowing, electric Dr. Manhattan wing... What the... F just, I... Fucking now they have a champion inside DC to fuck shit up mm -hmm. from the inside. She's not even good enough to be a video game producer or do anything in the video game circuit. Now she's got to invade comic books. Talk about a step fucking down, right? <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, so all the controversy, you know, started with GamerGate and all that was about a game called Depression Quest, which there are a lot of people who make the argument it's not really a game. I don't necessarily agree with that argument. I actually feel like. Because the arguments games are meant to be fun, they're meant to be played and enjoyed. But we kind of like to make the counter-argument to that, too, that games are supposed to be art. Not all art is meant to be enjoyed. Right. So, is Depression Quest a game? Yes. Does it do something interesting? It tries to. Um, does it succeed? No. <laughs> and people feel that. And even worse than the Depression Quest debacle... Her latest game. Have you heard about all the shit going on with that? Yeah, unfortunately. It was supposed to, to be out in 2017. Kickstarted for 85 grand or something like that. The backers haven't heard anything about it in over a year. Well, with those people who are getting massive amounts of money, that's, that includes the uh, 
troll known as Sarkeesian, people have thrown them a shitload of money, and nothing's come of it. Yeah. If only I was that good of a grifter. Right? Yeah, really. Especially the fact that they can still walk out in public without getting fucking beat to shit. Well, if I walked away with 85 grand free and clear, just from whatever, mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody would call me out. And eventually, five years down the line, I'd be at like a Kmart out in the middle of nowhere where the last one exists. And some dude would be like, that's the fucker who took five bucks from me and 85 grand from other people. Get him, you know? But, and it'll happen. And, but somehow Sarkeesian and Quinn still mm-hmm. manage to schmooze money out of people's wallets and get hired with legitimate businesses. And I use that really, really loosely when describing EA games. Yeah. But when Quinn can get hired by DC Comics, who are now trying to rival Marvel in the cinema universe and have been fighting him all the way since the golden age of comics, and she can get hired on... It's obvious that Tombstone will now no longer be a comic book character, but the epitaph written on DC's headstone is just done. We hired Quinn. We're done. We wanted to commit suicide, and Quinn is more poisonous than drinking bleach. Well, as for your thing about not being uh, as successful at it, you have two major mistakes in that field. One, you have integrity. And <laughs> I don't know if that hurts or if that's a compliment, but I'll take it. And two, you gotta play the moral outrage card, man. Give oh, me money, boy. or you hate short people. That's your play. No, 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 <laughs> no. This okay. is a big can of worms you opened. On a personal fucking note, all right? The first cock I ever tasted was my dad's, and it took me a while to get over that. And once <laughs> I got over that, I vowed never to be a victim again. Mm-hmm. I'm not a victim because of what happened to me. I'm a victim if I let it happen to me, right? Yeah. And so I can't just run out to some moral outrage machine and be like, oh, uh, fat acceptance because I'm slightly pudgy, and if you don't like that... Fuck you, give me money. No, I'm not going to do that because that would be like walking around throwing my victim card at other people's mm-hmm. feet and saying, give me money because I'm treated le- like less than you. No, the only thing I can do is up my game. If I can get over having to suck my dad's dick, I can get over anything. But see, see, you're, you're showing a ticker again. You're fucking it all off. <laughs> well, maybe someday people will figure out that having integrity is actually worth something. I- God, I hope so. Integrity Farm. Hey, remember when, yeah, Hillshire Farms guy, remember when integrity mattered? Hillshire Farms remembers. Yeah. Fucking member berries. Member berries. Mm -hmm. Like, all seriousness, though, like, that victim card is how evil people win. Yeah. We've made commentary on this on the podcast before. That victim card is how they manipulate people. And it's Mm -hmm. obvious... I am sorry. I am. It has become obvious. Okay, we all know Disney is a villain. Yeah. We have known it for a long time. I have called out Disney for child exploitation for decades. Decades. I have called these guys out for abusing children. Everybody's just like, oh, but they're making Marvel movies. I don't fucking care. They're bringing up rejects in society. Kids who are going to get turned out, thrown in the street, chewed up hamburger, and just have their lives utterly destroyed because Disney wants to make a fucking buck. Mm-hmm. They buy up Marvel. And you know what they're doing with Marvel? Captain Marvel. And if that's not a victim card trying to make money, I don't know what the fuck is. Yeah. And now Disney, 
I am sorry. They've hired Zoe Quinn, and now they're going to get all touchy-feely and try to pull the same shit that failed at Marvel by palette-swapping their characters by different races or different genders, different ethnicities, different religions, different planets of fucking origin. Disney is now the villain. <laughs> I am sorry. But the company that you loved and that you would just gargle their man gravy all day long no longer cares about you because now all they want to do is just slap you across the face with their now flaccid meat now that they've got your cash. And Either that's the, the villain. Problem. And that's the problem that's... It's not just limited to Disney or any other specific group. It's the entire fucking entertainment industry. Oh, yes. This is comics. This is video games. This is... Mo movies and cinema, this is TV, all of it has fallen to the corporate buck. And every single one of that thing, every single category that exists out there is de is dependent on money, and therefore, money is king. Yeah, well, and, and the issue is that these companies are creating these morality departments that are like, well, this, is a, this isn't sensitive enough, this is going to offend people. And every company that's doing this kind of bullshit is seeing losses. And yet, it still continues. Isn't it weird? Yeah. It's like a virus. Well, it's... It moves on from one healthy organism, <laughs> like Wizards of the Coast, or mm -hmm. EA Games, or Bethesda, and it, it gets in there, and it just fucking gets in the cesspool and just spreads its virus, virusiness all around. And then once the virus is spread in the part where, you know, the company's like, you know, actually, it was a really bad idea to hire this person. Yeah. It was a really bad idea to make, say, Mexican Batman when they've already got Zorro, who's just awesome in his own fucking right. Yeah. You know, maybe it was a bad idea to do this shit. But by then, the virus is already spread to the point where it can't be contained anymore. And the people who brought the contagion have moved on from the video game industry to comic books. Or they've moved on from video games to movies. Well, and... Or just moved around somewhere else in the industry to perpetuate their venom it, again. Oh, God. I, I think what we need to do is find every corporate headquarters across the planet, globally. Okay, because what happens in America, unfortunately, because of our position, influences the rest of the world on a massive geometric mm -hmm. scale. What we need to do is, is start in America, though, from the, the epicenter and move outwards globally to every corporate office that is some way in, connected to either California, because fuck California, <laughs> or the corporate Hollywood entertainment machine. Mm -hmm. And we need to quarantine them and put plastic bras over the buildings mm -hmm. and seal them up. And just keep doing this until we can actually, like, isolate and quarantine the epicenter of the virus. And, like, pull it out. You know, like, grab Brianna Wu, Zoe Quinn, and Anita Sarkeesian. Throw the three of them together in a giant juice machine. Puree that shit. <laughs> put it in some test tubes and create a retrovirus. To cure it. So and then cure the zombie, touchy-feely social justice outbreak that is now spreading from America to the rest of the world by supplying people with a, a nice vaccine. So an actual vaccine that works. And of course, we know the non-vaxxers aren't going to take this shit. <laughs> so, you know what? We just put them on California. We go up and down the, the fucking fault line. Mm -hmm. We plant so much C4 that even the United States military will go... <laughs> Uh, dude, that might be a bit much, alright? We just line that fucker with C4, and then we just blow it, and push California out in the ocean, and let him just float out there near the garbage patch out somewhere in the Pacific. 
Okay? And then we can actually get back to having, you know, reels before feels and integrity and have, you know, honest, good <laughs> movies that are made that are supposed to be artistic and entertaining. And if they're both, the people behind them will be, like, ecstatic because they're making money for doing a creative vision and an artistic vision and an entertaining vision all on TV. But they're not going to do that because companies like DC are hiring asshats like Zoe Quinn, who, you know what? California pushing the ocean. That's all i got to say on that. So I've got three things. First is uh, this whole issue stems from uh, postmodernism. So, so I'm stewing. Yeah, yeah. This, this this whole issue ultimately stems from postmodernism, and that's a whole can of worms that we just don't have time to get well, into. Hold on, but it's not just postmodernism; it's postmodernist um, social communism. Yes, um, but the ideals that they're on is built on the foundation of postmodernism because yeah. modernism. Well, the only thing Marx got right. Mm-hmm. The only thing Marx got right is he died. <laughs> Hold on, but he recanted communism himself. They don't and give it. He also posed the Jewish question. They don't. And they apparently don't, answered it. Well, they don't care about that. Mm-hmm. They, they don't. So there's that. I just want to throw it out there. Uh, but number two is how these companies keep making these decisions is simple, selective uh, viewing of the statistics. Because yes, Marvel's losing money. They're losing sales and numbers of issues. But if you choose not to look at that, but look at their gender, re- the the gender ratio of their readers. Oh, look, the, they have a greater ratio of female readers than uh, DC does. Yeah, but that's because the male readers are leaving. It's not because you're getting more females to read the book. <laughs> um, yeah, you get enough of one demographic to leave. <laughs> the other demographic magically just rises. Yeah, that's that's what they're Who'd doing. Who'd have fucking thunk? My um, kablooey. And, and finally, as to the quarantine, how are you going to quarantine the entire Canadian government? Um, oh, okay. With a thermonuclear device. Okay. Right? We have this amazing technology. Uh, we, we, okay. We have an amazing technology. Nerve gas? No. <laughs> Even better than nerve gas. Even though I love that shit. Um, hello, FBI. Anyway. Um... <laughs> We have this thing called a neutron bomb. Okay, we have, CIA. Yeah, we, we, we haven't figured out how to do the tricobalt one yet because, well, that's a bit above uh, science's pay grade to work with materials that volatile. However, the neutron bomb is great at uh, containing the Canadian government. What you do is you send one of these over for a, the Canadian parliament. Hopefully Trudeau will be there. It's hard to tell because he's always in disguise. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's hard to tell if he's white, he's black, he's Scottish, he's a cowboy, he's Mexican, he's <laughs> French. You don't know. This guy, he changes faces like a super spy, okay? <laughs> so you're going to have to get some really good on-the-ball intelligence agents to make sure Trudeau is there and it's not some dude in drag, okay? But you wait till Trudeau is in whatever the capital of Canada is, um, fucking Saskatchewan or whatever the fuck. You get him over there. I hope it's not that close. Yeah, I think it's quick. Wait, wait, are you implying that Trudeau's not some dude in drag? For all I know, for all I know, Trudeau could be a shaved Bigfoot at this point. Okay, <laughs> I have no idea what the guy really looks like. Well, see, he has all these, um, all of these ranks in uh, disguise. He, so. he has a lot of ranks in disguise, but the only way I know how to pick Trudeau out of a crowd is look for the guy who looks like Fidel Castro. <laughs> 
Um, the difference is Castro was a better leader. No, Castro had a beard. Anyway, because <laughs> he was a man. <laughs> he was manly. Okay. Anyway, now how I would deal with this is wait till the you know they're they're all convened, and I would start like a a false flag attack. Okay, not like Bay of Pigs, you know, where we want to start an actual war kind of false flag, or Gulf of Tonkin incident where we start a war over a false flag. No, in this case, I would just like grow. Fuck tons of bark beetles. Huh. Send out intelligence agents into the field in Canada. And all they gotta do is, you know, wear suspenders and flannel. They look like a logger, so it'll be really easy to slip by the Canadians. <laughs> uh, send in these guys past all the fucking Canadian mounted guards, because all they're looking for is they see a couple of guys out there with chainsaws and flannel. Oh, no problem, eh? So they just go out there and they distribute these bark beetles around the maple trees which will cause a maple syrup shortage. A maple syrup shortage will in turn cause Canadian... Famine. Diplomatically, Parliament, House of Commons, whatever the fuck. It'll cause their maple syrup-fed fucktards all to convene into one fucking building and discuss the issue that their sweet, sugary syrup sauce is under threat. And at that point, I do a high-altitude neutron bomb detonation right over that building which within about three miles will wipe out all organic material. People, cats, dogs, <laughs> pigeons, pigs, sheep, but fish. Homeless. Homeless people, germs. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If it's made of organic material, poof, gone. Okay, and then, of course, the bark beetles, haha. Because we have the technology to do it, they will all have kill switches on them. So after that, boom, we kill switch all the beetles. The beetles just fall down, and all that happens is the soil gets a little bit higher in trace elements of iron and uh, nickel and aluminum. Okay, that problem's out of the way. Now the trees can get back to growing proper because the bark beetle infestation has been lessened. Now we can take the actual legitimate Canadians who do have actual brain power and more than two neurons clicking around inside their fucking skull to move in to the building, which has now been cleaned out of all of the organic material of their previous leaders. It might be messy. I'm not exactly sure about the after effects of a neutron bomb. You might need a bucket and a mop. However, <laughs> or the problem will still be solved. If that doesn't work, you can always take them to a high school gymnasium outside the blast radius. But since there's no uh, radiation left over, you can just move people in. It'll be the cheapest housing in all of Canada for, like, months. <laughs> all right? <laughs> but you get together a bunch of people who are well-educated and, you know, who look at the situation and be like, you know what, that's fucking stupid. Crazy people need psychiatric, maybe even medicinal help. If they're crazy, get them help. Don't encourage the crazy. Okay? If this guy wants to live as a six-month-old toddler and have his diapers changed, but he's a 45-year-old truck driver, we have a place for him called a sanatorium. <laughs> Not I to have him totally walk I know who you're talking about, too. Okay? That's disgusting. I I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Crazy people need actual <laughs> legitimate medical help. And not to be praised. And not to be praised. They don't. They don't. Or I, for that matter, demeaned by the medical field. Or demeaned by the medical field. If I start cutting myself, I will. I'll be taken in to some place and be asked, "Why are you cutting yourself with a razor blade?" And I'll say, "I like the pretty colors." But you're a bigot because you don't like the pretty colors. Boom! Empowerment through victimization. Yeah. Yay! Victim card. No, I would need legitimate medical help. 
So what you do is you take these people who don't need help, who are educated at least at the high school level, bare minimum, maybe a couple of dropouts, you know, just to get that mix up because, you know, they're going to come up with some crazy fucking ideas on their own. You take them, you put them in the high school gymnasium, and you say, congratulations, you now run Canada. <laughs> and you know what? Shit would get done. <laughs> a bunch of people who have no fucking clue what they're doing, who have education and understand that medical necessity should be paramount before, you know, catering the crazy. Canada can't get possibly any worse at this point. These people will actually elevate it. Yeah. Okay, so that is just our testing ground, and then we go and try and fix California. No, we do not <laughs> fix California. <laughs> Canada is as bad as it gets, but they're still saving Canada. I still like the idea of getting so much C4 out there that you make General Mad Dog Mattis go, uh, dude, no. <laughs> just blow California. Not literally. I'm not I'm saying... Um, Explosively. Explosively, yes. Uh, not not orally. I wanted to. I wanted to say not literally, but literally, but that doesn't make sense. Just explosively <laughs> blow the fault line and just shove them in the ocean. Make them Japan's problem. You know, just just give them a nudge so the current will take them overseas. You know, maybe California will merge with China and then they will get a serious wake up call. <laughs> All right. About real fascism. Yes. And then, you know what? Hollywood will be gone. We'll need a new movie studio. Uh, Hold on. We already have the stuff in New Mexico, Texas, several other places. And well, Phoenix, Arizona was supposed to be the original Hollywood, so... Mm. Uh, but it's... And then there's also Arizona's like various like, Canada and New Zealand areas. But, but Arizona's going to be the new beachfront property. No, Arizona. I will tell you this from personal experience. <sighs> Arizona is like somebody insulted the devil, and he said, challenge yourself. <laughs> I literally, like, got knocked back off my feet when the doors in the airport opened. Mm -hmm. I get on the plane here in Seattle, 65 degrees, fly over to Arizona, 65, 70 on the plane, land in the airport, it's about 75. I'm like, wow, it's pretty warm. Doors open. 114! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Tell you what, you feel your sweat evaporate along with the rest of your bodily fluids. Yeah. Okay, so, um. <laughs> shit, you guys got me ranting again. We knew, we planned on this. That's why we didn't stop you. No, no, no my first rant was meant to be short. It's just like jump in. Hey, Zoe Quinn's a bitch, which she is. And you leave it at that. <laughs> and then you gotta be talking about blowing up California <laughs> and destroying Canada. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, this has been our bad writing in comics episode. Brought to you by Goblin Rants. <laughs> Ironically, terribly written. <laughs> hey, we are unwritten, unscripted, unprepared. And everything falls into place. See? <laughs> we don't even write this shit. This is all off the cuff and live recorded. You're welcome, crazies. Yeah, and we're not good. even. We don't even smoke weed or get stoned, man. Like we're doing this sober. <laughs> Just angry. Fuck California. Uh, I don't know. I'd be afraid. Do we have any the... listeners in California? I don't know, but if we do, hey guys, in California, here's my advice: move out, go to a different state, not Texas, not Washington. Please, God, thank you. <laughs> go somewhere like I don't know, Vermont, okay, or Virginia, go, or Virginia, Vermont, Nebraska, you know, or even better, Florida, because that's just a land of weird. Never, 
whatever. You know, just just go somewhere else out of California. Change your name. Don't even mention you were from California. Say you're from a neighboring state like Oregon. Anybody can be from Oregon. It's it's forgettable. Uh, just move out of state. And <laughs> I don't know. Oregon's pretty just, bad too, man. Just relearn everything that you learned in California. I mean, just just throw it all away. Go through a time of self reflection. <laughs> And rebuild yourself from the ground up and just leave California behind because nobody likes California, okay? <laughs> I have talked to hundreds of people from across the globe in my short, horrible time on this planet. I have talked to people from Australia, Ireland, France, England, UK, Germany, Russia, South Africa, South America, Brazil, Belize, Japan, China, Taiwan. Okay, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people, okay? And the fact of the matter is, most of them don't like America, okay? We're like that college kid who walks in and keeps saying, Woo, we're number one! And we do it constantly, and it just pisses everybody else off. And California, you know what? There are people who forgive us Americans for walking in and going, Woo, we're number one! Because we could actually be, you know, toned down with a couple of beers and told, Hey, this is how it works in our country. We're like, you know what? I'm interested in learning. And when you get into those conversations that are really candid, you learn that everybody else in the rest of the world, they tolerate us Americans. But we all unanimously hate California. <laughs> Yeah. That has been your public service message <laughs> announcement. <laughs> Game Goblin out. <laughs> um, Alright, any final thoughts? Uh, I'd say comic books are fun if they're well written. A good story will a good story will always hook me. Every single time. Like my favorite webcomic is called Cometh. And it is it's a wonderful little comic. It starts out with Stick Figure Plus. And by the end of it, it is a beautiful masterpiece as you've watched the characters grow, the characters become more detailed, and the world become alive in all things. It is fantastic. It's wonderful. And I love it. Um, and there are, you know, don't be afraid to try out indie comics. They're pr more likely than not, they're going to be pretty good. And if they're not, well, you only lost like two, three comic episodes, and then you got... Yep. Um, I would say that for my money, you're best off going indie. Um, if you want superhero, go Valiant. Go Boom. Boom has a really great comic uh, called Irredeemable. Basically, what, hap what would happen if Superman went evil. Uh, absolutely worth a read. Um, so, yeah, indie. Definitely go indie. And I would be remiss, being that this is primarily a gaming podcast, if I didn't mention the comic Die by Image Comics. Uh, what happens if a group of kids get sucked into the world of their own making? You live. I'm <laughs> <Okay>, up <laughs> by Goblin here. I'm guessing he's familiar with that comic. Keep going! Um, yeah, definitely check it out. group of people get sucked into the world of their game, and... They just, make it out just to go back. Yeah, they make it out just to go back and, and have to deal with the ramifications. With yeah, definitely read that. Alright. My final thoughts. Find back issues. Don't be afraid of the giant wall of the dollar bin of old comics. Um, read stuff online, whether it's original published there or someone's just uploading scans, you know. Just read people. 
it helps expand your mind. Um, and comics are fun. Yeah, and they can give you great ideas to run in-game. Hmm. So, this is Darth Blasphemous signing off. Kazarkan, to these guys. And I've been Russ. Now what the fuck is this ship? Who the fuck are they? Why is Iron Man a Mexican? God damn it. <laughs>